Welcome to Being Professional English Podcasts, podcast number 62, Making Real-Life Meetings Effective. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome to this podcast on Making Real-Life Meetings Effective. This podcast will talk about the following five issues or five topics. What ought to happen in a meeting? What normally happens in a meeting? And then I'll look at how to make an effective agenda in the moment. Effective behaviour during a meeting. And also at the end, some of the professional English statements and phrases that you will need to use. This podcast really comes about from the experience that I've had in the last year or so, uh, two years, sorry, of working in a company here in Italy. And it's a small, medium-sized business. And often what's happened is that I've found myself with the vast majority of meetings that take place unable to get round to doing the usual effective meeting procedures. Now, podcast 24, long, long time ago, where the subject was remaining on time and subject, I went through a list of the main reasons that someone can have an effective meeting, either run it or participate in it. And if you remember, they are, oh, and if you haven't listened to that podcast, I would recommend you do so. If you go onto the website and you go under um, topics discussed, managing yourself, meetings, you will find the podcast on remaining on time and subject. If you are listening to this just via iTunes, it's number 24 on the list. Anyway, I spoke about in that podcast the reasons, and the first and foremost was having an agenda. Having an agenda where, and I spent some time talking about exactly how to write up an agenda, where you have start times of different topics, you have the topic heading itself, and you have the owner of that topic. All the way down to the to the end, where you have uh, an area where for five minutes, where you put the topics or discussions or projects or ideas which have come up during the meeting that you couldn't talk about during the meeting because it would have taken too long too long a time. But you now need to decide what you're going to do about it. And I spent a lot of time talking about how to write up an agenda. And the fact that you need to send it out a couple of days beforehand to get people ready for what they're, uh, they're going to participate in. One of the other things was starting on time. It's a classic. I mean, how can you really think you're going to end on time if you start on time? And particularly, this talks a lot towards the reputation you will have in the company. Because effective meetings are run by effective people. And at the beginning, because most people hate meetings and most people run meetings very badly or facilitate them very badly, 
the reputation that you're going to have in your company, and particularly if you're speaking English as a second or third language, is not going to be particularly great. Starting on time is a fantastic way to announce to everyone that you are not going to allow people to forget that time is very precious. As Peter Drucker says, it's the only resource that you can't buy, sell or rent. Everything else you can. Starting on time, and if you, by the way, if that's if you're running the meeting, if you're participating in the meeting, you still ought to try to, no, you still must start on time, which means you basically arrive a few minutes beforehand. The other thing I mentioned in podcast 24 is to have a wall clock. You simply cannot run a meeting on time if you don't have one single wall clock. Then I spoke that participants should stay on time and on subject, obviously the title of that particular podcast, which is obviously crucial in the running of the meeting, making sure people don't go off at tangents, or if they do go off at tangents, how far you allow them to do so, and so on and so forth. Then the podcast spoke about um, the, the person running the meeting or facilitating the meeting, it's hard work. And although you do get better at it, and your group of people that have meetings with you regularly will become much better at understanding the way you want to run your meeting, nevertheless, it's hard work. And lastly, I spoke about always following up with an email to the participants in the meeting with a www who, what, when, list of tasks that were agreed during the meeting. So that's what ought to happen. But what normally does happen is the following. There's no agenda. And there could be lots of reasons for that. In my particular case, I found that I was, uh, I had so much to do being in a small and medium company I had so many demands upon my time that I wasn't able to think of meetings that were going to be two days hence and write up the agenda and send it to people. And even if I did send it to people, they would rarely actually look at it themselves. Starting late. Often I would find myself sitting in the meeting waiting and people would arrive uh, you know, five or ten minutes late. Now, with people within the company, after uh, doing the, the 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 trick that I I spoke about in podcast twenty four, which is how do you get people used to the fact that your meetings start on time? Well, you just start on time. So, if your meeting is for nine o'clock, at nine o'clock you start. If you if there's supposed to be seven people in the meeting, but there's actually only two of you, you start. You do it. You start anyway. The people coming in late will very quickly realize that uh, you mean business when you say the meeting starts at nine. And very quickly, people got used to arriving. But people outside of the company who are not so used to me um, would, often, would often be late, uh, far more so than I'm used to 
when I used to work in London or in New York. And I don't, I don't think that's a cultural thing. It could be a fact, uh, the, the dimension of the company. In small and medium-sized companies, this is something which is much more common to occur, whereas in large multinational international finance banks and hedge funds, it's, uh, it doesn't. I don't know. But there certainly was that difference. What also happens often, more often than not, is there's no wall clock. I can't tell you how many serious companies, and I mean serious companies, I go into their meeting rooms and there's no wall clock. To me, that gives such a terrible message about the company. It means that they don't, they don't care about time. And if a company doesn't care about time... Sooner or later, it's going to have issues. So, nine, I've got to say that nine times out of ten, the meetings I go to, which is in Italy, the companies don't have war clocks. Also, what often happens in meetings is that people don't stay on time and on subject. Now, this is 100% the responsibility of the person who is running the meeting to keep people on time and on subject. But often the person running the meeting doesn't know how to do that. And again, I'd advise you to go back to Podcast 24 to, to find out. And lastly, what often happens is that the, the manager doesn't run the meeting. Uh, he or she participates, but doesn't facilitate. And... Uh, that leads to very effective meetings because you don't normally end up with decision-making processes at the end. Now, listen, this podcast today is not about me helping you with the starting late or no wall clock because I can't do that for you. But what I am going to try and help you with is, in particular, an effective agenda. Because this is something which I had to adapt, because there was no way I was going to be able to write out an agenda in the detail that I have mentioned to you in previous podcasts. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are in the same position as I have found myself. I can't spend time writing out the start time, the topic title and the person who owns it all the way through the whole meeting. If I were in a position where I had a secretary or a personal assistant, I presume they would be doing that for me. But since uh, in a small and medium company, even at the COO level, uh, you're not going to have it. You have to do it yourself. There are other demands in your time. So how do you get around that? I mean, that's the reality of the situation, right? I mean, one of the things about consultants is they talk and talk and talk about the right thing to do but in the real world when you're trying to do something it isn't always that easy so how did I get around that well I got around it uh, first of all by not skipping skipping but not missing out on the preparation I mean preparation for a meeting is crucial now, in a high-level meeting, meaning either with your boss's boss or a multinational uh, meeting, uh, you'll go to the headquarters of the company in a meeting, 
you really must prepare. Prepare means finding out the people going to attend, uh, looking at their uh, position in the company, who you know that they know, uh, and so on and so forth. If you do not prepare for high-level meetings, especially when your boss's boss is there, you risk looking very poor. And as I've mentioned to you in previous podcast in meetings, meetings, particularly with high-level management present, are a fantastic opportunity for you to demonstrate your effectiveness and your professionalism too. So with high-level, you've got to prepare, simple as that. Now, in small, medium-sized businesses or indeed startups, because of their, their, their size and because of the way in which they're structured, you are probably going to be up to speed on the material. So the amount of preparation you're going to have to do is, will be significantly less. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Now, because of that, if you are running the meeting, when it comes to the meeting time and, you know, your little alarm goes off, as mine does, 30 minutes before the beginning of a meeting, and I think, oh dear, I haven't studied, or oh dear, I haven't done the agenda. Maybe I don't say, oh dear, but I'll leave that up to you to decide what I, I often do say. I write out the agenda. Now, what do I put on this agenda? Well, I've got to, I've got to shorten it, really, because I can't put start times, end times, and, and so on and so forth. So what I, I put down, just three things. I put down the agenda, meaning the points or topics which need to be discussed. I put a space on the piece of paper that I'm using for notes. And in the last third of the, the paper, I put a list of, uh, of to-dos, or what, uh, when, and who. Now, you can either use a piece of paper and divide them into, into thirds, or I tend to use my, I have a mini iPad, a tablet, which I use Apple Notes, extremely simple program, but I use the Apple Notes, and I'll tell you why I do that um, later. And I split it into three. I have the bullet points already up, and I split it into in, into thirds. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I find I can do that pretty quickly. Now the topics that I'm going to have these meetings with people, uh, as I said before, because it's in a small and medium sized company, I tend to be up to speed on 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 the subject, so I don't need to prepare that much for them. But I do need to have an idea in the meeting itself as to what I want to achieve and where I'm going. Because if I don't do that, what often happens is I get out of the meeting and I've, I've achieved very little. It's very easy when you're in a meeting, particularly with people you haven't seen before, so a new supplier or new clients or so on and so forth, and you lose track. You get so detailed or so busy trying to work out how to do the um uh, or speak to the people or, or have a rapport with the people that you actually forget where you're trying where you want the meeting to go so i find writing out the agenda having a space for notes and a space for the to do or the what when who uh, already written out and spaced for me helps me a great deal now i use as i said apple notes because 
one of the ways to make this a, meet, a meeting very effective, and one of the best ways is that straight after the meeting, you send out uh, an, a confirmation email. And I, with these, with the notes on on um, on Apple, and I'm I'm sure it's the same with Microsoft Notes or or, or whatever system you use. You can just hit a button and send e send the email, and it and it sends the whole page. That's what I that's why I tend to use the mini iPad rather than using uh, the piece of paper. Now there's a danger with that, of course, and the danger with that, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, is that people think you are checking your email, and if you happen to be running the meeting, that's not a very good um, impression to give, obviously. Uh, however. The first time that the people receive the email and they can see that exactly what you what you've written during the meeting, then they will understand you haven't been actually um, checking your email or or ignoring them. In fact, you know sometimes I, well, often I tell people what I'm doing, so they know that I'm not wasting, or I'm not being rude. Basically, I mean effectively it's rude. You come to a meeting and you're checking on your computer. It, it, it's rude. You're losing eye contact and, and all that wonderful stuff. So that's a way to write up an agenda very quickly, very effectively, and very efficiently. And I found that helps me a great deal. And it's especially going to help because, remember, I'm doing these meetings, 95% of them I'm doing them in my own second language, which is why these podcasts are out there, right, for people who are using English in a second language. So when I'm doing this in Italian, it really helps me to have these uh, agenda points already written up for me. Because, as I said, being in a meeting where you're doing a lot of stuff, uh, the pressure upon you, especially if you're running it and using a second language, is great. There's a lot of responsibility to make it effective. You've got a lot of people in the meeting and you are responsible for their time too. So in a second language, I find this way of writing out an agenda very, very useful. And that's the principal part, I must say, of the new uh, information with this podcast. And for the people who don't want to go on about, uh, I'm going to repeat some of the usual behaviours that need to remain even though the agenda is different. And I'm also going to go over some of the English language phrases as well. For people who don't want to do that, you can stop the podcast at this point because you've heard the most important part of this or the, the newest part of, of this podcast, which is about the more, um, the shorter, in-the-moment written agenda. But for those of, which, of whom you wish to stay, and I hope you do, thank you very much, um, I'm probably talking to one person now. The effective behavior remains exactly the same. So just because you're changing how you are doing the agenda doesn't change your behavior in the meeting. So let's just quickly go through these things again because I, it's there's nothing wrong with repeating um, previous parts of, or summarizing, sorry, not repeating, summarizing parts of previous podcasts. So you have to sit up straight. I know it sounds silly, but it's hard to be alert. It's hard to be in the moment when you are slumped, when you have a curved back. I mean, why in yoga, when they meditate, do they, the most difficult thing about meditating 
is not the actual meditating itself. It's the bloody pain in your back as you try to keep yourself straight sitting on the floor. Because that keeps your attention. It keeps, you know, you're focusing your mind on meditating. In exactly the same way in a meeting, you've got to sit up straight. Stick your ass right at the back of the chair. If you do that, and you're over 12 years of age, your feet are going to be flat on the floor, and you are going to be sitting up straight. No phone, obviously. You don't have your phone in a meeting. No computer, except obviously the meeting facilitator, the person running the meeting, as we've mentioned before, with a quick agenda done electronically. You still have to keep on topic. You, just because the agenda is not, not in front of you, because everyone will have a copy of the agenda in the old format, remember, because we sent it a couple of days beforehand. Just because you don't have the agenda in front of you doesn't mean you, you, you can go off and talk about anything. You've got to keep on on topic. You know why you are there in the meeting. At least I hope you know why. The other thing which is very important is you've still got to give backing to your colleagues. It's something which I often find that people neglect, especially when you're doing it in a second language, and that's being in English. There's so much uh, teaching, um, I was going to say formazione, because I'm losing my English actually, being in Italy now for 10 years, I'm beginning to lose my English. There's so much teaching from the business English uh, environment about how to disagree that actually there's not enough written about how to agree. You know, what is the language you use when, when you want to agree with someone? And it's very simple. You just say, I agree with Mark, or I agree with John, or I agree with Giuseppe. You, you verbally say it in front, publicly say it in front of everybody. And why do you do that? You do that because you back up your colleagues. You help them in a meeting. They're proposing something. You agree with it. Bloody well say it. That behaviour remains the same, even if you haven't got an agenda in front of you. If you're running the meeting, you've got to summarise and decide at the end of each topic what you're going to do. Again, because the agenda is not written in front of everyone and you're running the meeting, you have your agenda points, but you're going to have to work a lot harder. I mean, that's the payback, right? There's nothing in life for free. If you're running the meeting and you haven't done the big agenda which you're writing out and sending two days beforehand, the payback is that during the meeting you have to be very, very good at handling people and keeping them on time and on subject. And at the end of each topic, you have to, you really have to summarise and offer a decision. And we'll talk about the language to use in a moment. In addition to that, you have to assign tasks and ask for deadlines. Do you remember I spoke to you about, or this was in the, the delegation podcast, and again, just simply go back to the website go under managing your team and delegation and you can get the whole series of podcasts on delegation when i spoke about delegation i said that what you need to do when you delegate a task to someone is you ask them how long they think they will take to do it and if they say you know something which is 
you know, five times longer than you think it it, uh, it will take, then, of course, you, you pull them back on it. But people don't tend to do that. I mean, they'll tend to give themselves one or two more one or two more days leeway or one week leeway, depending on the size of the task, obviously. But people don't tend to try to trick you out of more time. But you ask them, because when they say, OK, I'm, this, this will take me three weeks, Mark... So you say, okay, in three weeks on Thursday the 11th, we'll have it finished. So you have more buy-in. You know, classic management talk about buy-in to a task. Let's go on to the professional English usage, the phrases. Uh, again, you'll see all this uh, written up on the website. It might be easier for you to... Uh, to have a look at it and study it if you're looking at the words written up on the website as well. But you to remain on topic, how do you keep people on topic? Remember, if you don't have the written agenda in, in front of everybody, you're going to have to work much harder to keep them on topic. And you, you simply say, Mark, could you please talk about X? When someone starts going off topic, you just interrupt them and say, Mark, could you please talk about X? If in English you use, could you please, blah, 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 it's very polite. Using could, do you remember when I spoke about professional English grammar? Uh, using could I or could you works in any situation. Well, here's a situation where it really does work. And remember, you're stressed in this moment, right? You're doing a lot of stuff. If in this moment someone is going off topic and you have to think in your head, oh, goodness me, what is the English for getting them back on subject? You're going to lose it. So just don't try and, you know, would you mind staying on topic or uh, can I ask you to do that? Forget all that rubbish. Okay. One phrase, Mark, could you please talk about X? Remaining on time. If someone is getting to the end of what you think is how much time they should dedicate towards a particular subject, you give them warning, warning of that. You just interrupt them, little gap that they have in their, in their discourse. You say, Mark, you have two minutes. Mark, you have two minutes. And if you want them to finish, you say, Mark, could you now please finish? Or could you please now finish? Or could you please finish any one of those different variations? The important thing is could you and have please in it somewhere. How do you get someone to or the group to summarise or decide? As I said, at the end of each topic when it's discussed, you just say, OK, we can agree on X. We can agree on X. It's very simple. The language here is not very complicated. It cannot be complicated because in the meeting, it's stressful. And anyone, anyone who tells you differently when they run a meeting hasn't run a meeting, especially hasn't done it in a second language. I mean, yes, it gets easier. It gets easier mainly because the people who are regularly in your meetings change their behavior. So you, you will find that if you do this regularly, 
you will get to a stage where you won't have to tell people to stop talking on a topic or you won't have to keep them on a particular subject or you won't have to start on time and have no one there. You see what I mean? You, your behaviour as the person who is running the meeting is particularly important and you teach the others how to behave. So with time it gets easier. But at the beginning it is tricky and that's why these phrases have to be very simple. If you listen to this on iTunes, again, go to the website or go to LinkedIn because I'm going to post this on LinkedIn as well. And you, you just you'll see these phrases so it'd be easier for you to, to remember them. So today we've looked at real life meetings, what ought to happen, what unfortunately normally does happen. How do we get around that by writing agendas in the moment as opposed to pre-prepared agendas? The fact that although the agenda changes, your effective behaviour remains the same, whether you're running or participating in the meeting. And lastly, the phrases, the simple phrases, the necessarily simple phrases in professional English, they remain the same as well. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. It's a real life podcast, as it were. It's something which I've always dedicated being professional English podcast towards very concrete basic, real experience in exactly the type of environment you find yourself, which is in a professional environment in another language, not your mother tongue. That's what this podcast has been about. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye.